Hello everybody, this is Paul Miller, and you're listening to the Tuna Town Talks podcast, located in Venice, Louisiana, the fishing capital of the world. We're uh, starting our fifth episode of Tuna Town Talks, and uh, today I got a really uh, cool guest of mine. Is, uh, he's a good friend of mine, Matt Miranda. He's one of our younger captains with the uh, Mexican Gulf Fishing Company, and I just wanted to have him on today and tell us some of your stories, and I guess you can go ahead and start off by saying hey to everybody and uh, tell us you know, where you're from and how long you've been charter fishing down here. How's it going, guys? I'm Captain Matt with Mexican Gulf Fishing Company. Uh, I'm from Metairie, Louisiana. I've been charter fishing now for about six years. Uh, did about a year and a half deck cannon, and the rest of it's all been captaining. <clears throat> nice, nice. And so uh, one of the stories I kind of talked to Matt a little bit about beforehand, a lot of y'all might know, he, he was actually captain of the largest yellowfin in the Gulf of Mexico ever caught that any of us know of and it was a hundred and fifty or two hundred and fifty eight pounds and uh that's not a record I guess we'll get into that while I was in the story but um it would be if a single angler had landed it but uh go ahead and start telling us you know a little bit about that story what happened that day maybe even you can mention like you know your your customers or where they came from or start from the bottom and so, bring it on in cool story um so actually before that point before that day i had never been a part of landing a 200 pound 200 pound plus yellowfin um they had a bunch of boats that previous february march that were catching them left and right and it kind of ate me up that i never had that chance to get one and then uh come october we were fishing shrimp boats for probably three or four days beforehand and uh it was decent you know you catch one or two over 100 each day but it's one of those things where you kind of just got to go all in you know you're kind of risking the risking it to catch the big one so we stayed at it for a few days and this particular day we went out and uh you know it started off pretty good first thing in the morning i think we boated uh 150 you know in between 150 160 and uh we missed a shot at another one and you know it was it was looking promising but it had slowed down a little bit and we made a drift on the last boat that we were going to spend, you know, a good bit, a good bit of time on before we had to catch more bait or get more bait. And why, why was that? Was it just looking right? Like the- so, we, you know, usually you sack up a bunch of bait and you kind of try and make that last throughout the day. But we were burning through it pretty quick, and this last boat just looked like it was in that prime spot. It looked like it was in a really good area, clean water, a lot of, a lot of life around. So we a lot of bonitas, sharks, bonitas popping around on the surface, birds working, some a few open water fish. It just looked, it had that look, you know, you just had that gut yeah, feeling. Yeah, that gut feeling. I know that, that was oh so well. <laughs> yep, yep. You had that gut feeling that I was going to be the one. And uh, we actually pulled up and early in the drift, we we saw a, what I believe was another 200 pound plus fish. Not saying it was the, as big as the other one, but uh, another 200 pound plus fish kind of rolled through the slick uh when it ate the bait the bait slid up the line and uh that's kind of a no-no you know you kind of kind of teach not to hook baits through the eyeballs because it tends to happen when you hook the fish the bait will slide up well one of the one of our guys you know everybody was kind of hands-on you know which he wasn't taught at that point not to do that my mistake but it happens uh fish kind of slid up the braid and what happens is, you know, the fish is diving down deep, but your bait's sliding up the line while you're fighting the fish, and uh, a shark actually ate the line 
when it tried to eat the bait. So we lost that one. It was pretty, pretty heartbreaking because I knew that was going to be my. Really, you know, I don't. I don't know if that's ever happened to me while tuna fishing, even on the shrimp boats. But that's pretty crazy. So the 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 it just got the hook and not the bait. The yeah, bait lot, slid up the line, and then the shark ate the yeah, the bait that was still in the line. Yeah, and, and a lot of times when you hook a bait through the eyes, it'll hook the fish, but the bait's still able to slide up the line. And when I saw it sliding up, I knew it was about to happen, and I tried to grab the rod and kind of zigzag it left and right so the sharks couldn't get it and one right. one ended and up just to it. clarify guys when we we're hooking baits through the eyes this is on shrimp boats so these, these are dead like cold fish these are you know yeah. white trout or yeah this was know, actually a ribbon fish it was a ribbon fish hooked yep. through the eyes okay so it was dead anyways but hook them through the eyes like i said you, <laughs> i okay. guess they slide up the line uh, i've never seen it before it, but that's pretty it, cool. it was a heartbreaker for sure so kind of the morale went down uh on the boat for sure with everybody and kind of got everybody back in the game told them you know it's not over yet we're still we still got another sack and we can go get more bait if needed and uh the very next handful of bait we threw out once we once we started fishing again once we lost that one we ended up hooking hooking that 258 uh we actually cast out a live bait. We looked down in the water. So normally when you're fishing shrimp boats, for all you guys that haven't done it before, you pull a large school of fish off the shrimp boats. It's normally a bunch of bonitas, a bunch of black fins, and then your yellow fins will be in there. Well, normally the bonitas are the first thing you see, and they're usually pretty aggressive. You know, they're, it's hard to get baits to the tunas most of the time because the bonitas are so aggressive. Well, I looked down, and the bonitas were hiding under the boat, which I've never seen on a shrimp boat before. So really? it kind of threw me for a loop. Didn't know what was going on, and uh, pitched out a live bait. And as soon as it hit a wa- hit the water, they had a hole, a massive hole. We didn't see the actual fish eat like we did the previous one, but we saw the hole. Figured it was going to be a good one. Uh, so this this fish, it actually almost spooled the reel on the first run. Uh, and we're fishing with 150 pound test fluorocarbon, 100 pound mono to 100 pound braid. You know, we're fishing with the right stuff and the right amount of drag for sure. So the reel almost gets spooled on the first run. And that's when I realized we had a real fish on. You know, this isn't your average, you know, 100, 150 pound shrimp boat fish. This is a good one. So we, you know, we drive on top of the fish, try and get all the line back. And the craziest thing about it all, it was a, uh, it was a, 45 minute fight i think it was which a lot of times you fight a fish over 100 pounds that's that's a given you know you're fighting for an hour hour and a half 200 pounders it's pretty much a given you're gonna be fighting for hours uh this fish swam out on the surface did a lot of crazy stuff and then we put all the drag on him try and stop him before he took all the line out again and fish came up you know murky green water you really didn't know what to expect and this massive head just came out the water and it was it was unreal. Everybody on the boat pretty much knew at that moment we had a uh, a fish of a lifetime. Right. Um, but it's one of those things, you know. I've had plenty of fish before where you call it a certain weight and you kind of jinx yourself. You get back to the dock and you, you jinx yourself. You know, it'll be a few pounds shy. So I didn't say anything myself, but I knew on my head that it was it was one of those fish of a lifetime and definitely my first over 200. Um, coming into the marina was probably one of the best memories I'll ever have, you know, knowing that that was in my box, you know, pulling up, unloading that fish in front of all these experienced captains. You know, it's a lot of pressure down here. Everybody's very experienced. Very competitive. Very competitive. So when yeah. you know you have something like that in the box, it's a good feeling. 
I definitely. I, I, I know exactly what that feels like, man, being a part of a fish of a lifetime or anything special like that is it's really cool. So just to clarify, too, like y'all did pass the rod like how many times? Yeah, so we actually had a, we had a younger angler on the boat, and he had never caught a tuna before, never caught a yellowfin tuna. So he didn't get a chance earlier in the day. And he, you know, he jumped on the rod first, and he did what he could. And man, it was it was a lot of pressure on the rod. I'm not gonna lie. So, mm-hmm. but he ended up passing the rod, and uh, we had a uh, another angler jump on. It was actually his father that jumped on the rod, and he finished up the fish. So it kind of really sucks. that's actually cooler cool. than have it, than record for them. It yeah, is because it's, cool. it's a team record for sure. Yeah, it is a cool memory for sure. But going as far as going in uh, IGFA and all, kind of sucks. You know, it had to be one angler. Man, records are for some people, but for me, that's cooler than having a record personally. Like oh, they they will share that experience. I didn't realize that. You know, I've always heard the two fifty eight or something. But to hear that, you know, you had a father son team up on this fish and they can live with that for the rest of their life, saying, you know. We caught the biggest. We together. We caught the biggest yellowfin in and the Gulf of Mexico. That's, that's, that's pretty about. awesome. It's, yeah, it's, it's all about memories at the end of the day. So it's it's awesome. Yeah, but that is. That's as awesome, far as record wise, I mean, everybody everybody down here knows. You know, that's the biggest that they've seen in their lifetime coming down. I mean, it's it's still known. So it's still awesome for me. And it was awesome for me just to have that 200 plus pound fish under my belt. You know, I've been waiting for that for so long. Yeah. I was, I was excited to see it happen to you, especially, I mean, you know, a lot of, a lot of these captains, the older ones, especially, they like to tell, you know, a lot of us younger guys that hadn't been down here as long or haven't fished as long. They like to tell us about the good old days and, you know, how great it used to be and all this stuff. And I don't know, quite frankly, I've seen some incredible tuna fish in the last year for sure. I mean, this year has been insane. I mean, I, I've been fishing inshore, don't get me wrong, but I've seen a lot of tunas at the dock, and, you know, seeing that you caught – when was this fish caught last year? This was last October. Yeah, last October. So, to know that fish that are that size are still swimming around out there Man, is I think, awesome. I think it makes me – it gives me wanting to go back I've, out there. Somewhere, I honestly you know? <laughs> think there's a lot of those fish around. Yeah. I just think there's certain situations why we don't come across them more often. You know, right. I think I think a lot of those fish live here, and they stay in that dirtier water. They don't run in big schools because they're bigger fish. Right. And we're just not targeting – or it's harder for us to target those fish certain right. times of the year, but right. shrimp boating those when those boats come certain around. Certain times of the year when those yeah. bigger fish are more around, yeah. it's and definitely. You know, you hear what, all these. What do you think? What do you think too? Is like I know, like you know, around the world they catch much bigger yellowfins than what we get here. Um, but do you think that there's a 300 pound yellowfin swimming around out Absolutely. there? Absolutely, I do? think there is. I think it's, man, it's just like deer hunting. You know, you got to catch that deer when it's at its right you know when it's in its prime i think that fish was more in its prime you'll catch fish sometimes i i've actually caught a fish that was almost as long as that one and what didn't weigh anything close to it you know right. 180 was pounds just eating right you yeah. know he was long he had the length and everything he just wasn't he doesn't have the girth you know they're not yeah. fat they're not they're not at their prime i think you just have to have that fish when it's in its prime you know when it's fed and and healthy yeah. a lot of those fish during the summertime they push offshore or whatever and they thin out you know they're they're in a lot warmer water and they're moving a lot more chasing different kinds of bait you know yeah. those fish when they get on the shrimp boats they're eating they're at a buffet every day right you know, they right. sit behind those boats and eat as much as they want so right what about uh swordfish do you think that we have a possibility to have just as you know big a swordfish as anywhere else in the world as far I, as like you know in the keys i mean shit man, i they, think we about 700 pounders i mean i think we have them i think it's just you know we we've definitely been figuring out for sure uh i think there's more ground to be covered something else maybe into it um 
I've always been a firm believer that, you know, being that, you know, Venice has oil rigs and everything circulates around those oil rigs. It's a big ecosystem. Maybe some of those big fish are smart and they're not on those canyons all the time. Maybe they're closer to rigs yeah. and we're not fishing these rigs. We're fishing these canyons and drop offs. Yeah. It's definitely true. Like to anybody out there that wants to try something off the wall, don't, don't think that you're being stupid or anything crazy. Cause like, I mean, that's how things happen. I mean, people go and yep. they try a spot and then it becomes a new norm for, you know, everybody around. So like if you got a hunch, you think that there's a big fish somewhere, go try it. Especially if you got your own boat and your own time. Go try yeah. it. Man. One you of, never know. <laughs> one of my good buddies when I first started fishing down here said you'll never have epic results without taking big risks. If that's you don't, true. If you don't that's take so the true. risk, you'll never so stand a chance true. of doing something epic. And so uh, true. you know, that's that comes back to fishing those shrimp boats. Not everybody in Venice was fishing those shrimp boats because it wasn't it wasn't great you know you might only get one or two but you know if you being that we stayed at it day in and day out for a few days that that chance happened if we would have gave up on it and went back to floater fishing whatever that fish would have never been caught right right if you don't take those risks you know you might go to shrimp boats and strike out yeah but if you don't go you'll never know yeah or soaking a live bait in an area where you think there's a bigger tuna or, or a big marlin like if you don't if you don't take that that extra you know hour at the end of the day to fish for a marlin or or a big tuner or something you're probably not going to catch one or if you don't fish at the right times of the year you know you're definitely right. in my opinion definitely not going to catch it you know a tune over 200 pounds you need to be fishing you know the right times of the year you know fall yep. winter those types of times so yep and which we you know we go off of customers i always ask my customers what we want what they want to do i mean sometimes you'll get yeah. customers that book that time of year they don't really know it's that time of year when those big ones are around but i'll lay it on the table you know i'll tell them look we can go offshore and probably have more action catch mm-hmm more numbers but they are going to be smaller fish or we can go behind the shrimp boats where any given day you can catch one of those record-breaking fish you can catch a fish of a lifetime it's up to you you know go big or you know go for numbers and uh you know we get a lot of both you know we'll have a bunch of people that they would rather have more action they got younger kids on the boat they want to it's their first trip they'd like to see action and then we have our experienced anglers that been doing it a while and they they come here for that you know they come for those trophy fish so yeah that is one of the struggles of being a charter captain uh one things that i think about all the time you know is we're there for the customer so you 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 know you have to take your own desires at some points and set them aside like if you got a a, you know a, a family showing up you got you know three kids under 10 years old and a dad and you know they want to catch fish well they might they might not really want that you know <laughs> 260 right, pound it'd, yellowfin it'd be a little difficult yeah i mean that's a that's a little bit of yeah, a different it's, trip you it's know, tough as a sure. captain too because you know it's an ego thing you mm-hmm. want to come back to the you don't want to come back to the dock when everybody's fishing the shrimp boats or the lump and you don't want to come back with a bunch of smaller fish you want to come back with the big ones you want to you want to have the best board out of anybody yeah, that's yeah. just that's at least that's how i am you know i'm very competitive played sports you know my whole life and that's how i look at it that's what keeps it interesting for me right. uh we're going to get back to the ego yeah. topic for sure but once we talk on talk on uh, uh conservation for sure i, I mm-hmm. definitely that's one thing we uh me and me and uh matt went went fishing yesterday together we actually had a pretty damn good day we had a bunch of triple tail what did we go 11 or 11 we, for we 11 kept. we we kept we kept six or seven but we, we also we tagged, released about just as many yeah i think um, we tagged five we tagged five yesterday triple tail so yeah. and that was actually my first time catching <laughs> triple tail you know that was my first time being able to go out and do that uh that was, a that was thing, awesome man that's definitely gonna be a new thing for me for sure <laughs> uh 
took a little bit of learning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does, man. <laughs> I was struggling in the beginning. I lost lost a few. But. Yeah, that, that's that been definitely uh, a thing that, you know, triple tail have always been a thing for me since a young kid. I mean, you would always, you know, we'd always see him on the grass lines and think I shot, you know, I, I definitely, being a spear fisherman, I definitely think I shot, you know, my first ones off rip lines and stuff growing up. And, uh, I don't know. It was cool. It was cool seeing them. They eat, they eat really well. So it was always a thing. So once I got my bay boat down here in Venice and started fishing for, I, that was honestly one of the first things, I mean, uh, given the redfish, I mean, I have to fish for redfish for sure. I mean, that's what make pays the bills day in and day out. But, uh, that was definitely, you know, something that was on my list as prime targets was a uh, triple tail and, uh, started targeting them a lot. And, uh, definitely fell for it for sure it's it's been a lot of fun fishing for him but um yeah i caught i guess you saw those uh the big ones uh yeah yeah congratulations <laughs> on that that's pretty impressive right there it's crazy man it's crazy what venice has to offer you know yeah now, it's pretty crazy like you talk about you know I, and guys i just wanted to i guess document the story um you know from catching those three big triple tail uh, I'll go ahead and say what I caught before I tell a story, but um, we caught uh, we caught one the first day. It was 36 pounds. I caught a 38 uh, two the next morning, and then I caught a 32 six uh, that evening with somebody else. Um, but yeah, so the this just about uh, two weeks ago, I guess it's about two weeks ago, right after Hurricane Laura, you know, you get all those texts and everything from customers like, oh man, is the, is the hurricane going to mess the fishing up? Should we even bother coming? And, you know, it's one of the things I always tell them, I'm honest as possible, you know, it's like, I don't know, man, like the fishing, it could be bad, but it also could be insanely good. I mean, would you agree that like sometimes absolutely. like the, the fishing's not so good, but at the same time, it can be absolutely incredible. You know, sometimes <laughs> offshore, it'll, it'll, it'll shut it down. You know, water will get dirty everywhere. Sometimes it'll push clean water in bait. Like for instance, our first storm this year pushed all our live bait. We didn't have any live bait offshore, so mm-hmm. it uh it can definitely go both ways, but you won't yeah. know till you go out and find out. <laughs> so that's exactly what I told him. I was like, man, you know, there's only one way to find out. You know, we got to go. And uh, so, you know, I got I got these guys. They were from uh, Georgia, and they triple tail fish all the time. And they this guy booked this trip with me back in March probably. And uh, he told me then, you know, we, we want to target triple tail. I was like, all right, if you book me that time of year, we, we should be able to get on them. And, uh so it was the first day out after the storm, and I went out, and they said they wanted to – I went Cobia too, you know, that kind of stuff. So I went on, on the west side of the river and uh, looked for triple tail. I didn't see any, didn't catch any. Went for Cobia, didn't see any, didn't catch any. I mean, I caught, like, some jackravels. It was just a terrible day. So I decided to run to the other side of the river, and um, I got over there, and I wasn't – I didn't really find what I was looking for initially, so I, I started, you know, fishing. We fished for, I don't know, an hour or two hours. By this time, it's like noon, and I don't have anything in the box. Like, this is not what you want to feel like as a captain. I mean, we've all been there. I'm oh, sure yeah. you have. <laughs> oh, it definitely happens. And, you, you know, you want to put these guys on fish, and, you know, they you know you're, you're trying, and you're making long runs, trying to make things happen, and, you know, it wasn't at the time. And so then, you know, I made another long run. Um, again, it's noon finally show up to an area and you know how you get that how we were talking about earlier how you got that gut feeling and you just knew like everything kind of all right this is oh, looking yeah. right you know this is kind of what i'm looking for oh, yeah you gotta always stick to your gut <laughs> for sure because if you don't it's gonna bite you in the and head. so like I'm, i got to this area and i'm like all right all right this looks right you know this looks right and you know we start fishing a little bit and you know hit 
a couple places and it don't doesn't really work and then I don't know we pulled up the a spot and got cast and he literally hooked up the first the first cat no nah, it probably wasn't that wasn't the first cast it wasn't right off the bat but he hooked the fish and as he was setting the hook I saw the fish if the fish must have ate what ate his bait and came up to the surface but I saw the fish and I was like oh my god that thing is big and you know we started fighting him it was probably I don't know a 10 minute fight with a you know a triple tail and got him up and put him in the boat and I was like holy smokes and again this is the first fish we landed all day and this is a fish of a lifetime <laughs> yeah. yep the bars get set high once, yeah, uh, once exactly. you get out on the first one so I was um yeah so I was you know tickled to death about the fish and I was like all right let's see what else we can do so I think I think we ended up with four that day it was like I said it was late so they were already you know hot and ready to go in and everything else so whatever we went in and then the next day I was filming with uh y'all might have seen me on his tv show uh Kevin's been filming with him for years but I just did a show last year with him and I did just did two shows with him this year as Mark Davis with Big Water Adventures um you can check it out on the outdoor channel but I had him the very next day and uh you know of course mark he don't want to hear you know oh you caught a you know number four in the or number five in the state of louisiana triple tail he don't want to hear you know none of that like he wants he wants it to be on the show it either happened on film or it didn't happen so you know i i, I told him about it but he kind of you know i could tell he didn't really give a shit and uh so we went out and we started fishing and i'm you know i'm telling mark what to do and he he hooks up on one very first cast <laughs> and I'm, I'm like yeah set the hook now and he sets the hook and he's like dang that's pretty cool so whatever we proceed to fish and then i i pulled up to one spot cast i think it was probably my second cast and pulled up and it hooked into him and uh yeah that fish was unreal and i told him whenever you know the fish made a long run right you know did exactly what you want him to do and uh i uh told him I, you know i told kevin i mean uh mark as soon as we got him to the boat i'm like look man i was like i know we only got you know four triple tail i was like but we're either killing this fish we're gonna run in and weigh him right now because i i wanted either one of the record or i wanted him to release him so he could you know go back or whatever and so because i didn't have a scale big enough to weigh the fish right there on the spot and then release him so whatever we decided to go ahead and take the fish run in and, and weigh him and so we did Ran in, weighed him, and he was 38.2. And then, uh, so that same day, he wanted to go get more fish on film. He wanted to go get cobia. So I took off and ran 50 miles to the west looking for cobia, and I didn't find anything, like, at all. It was terrible. So then we ran all the way back, and it's, like, 5 o'clock in the evening, and I got Craig Brumfield coming down to do Giatakus on those two triple tail, um, number four and number five in the state of Louisiana. And... Uh, it, and of course, he's a big-time triple-tail fisherman himself. If y'all don't know him, he's an artist from uh, South Mississippi. And, uh, yeah, so he come, and he brought his big cane poles. He uses these big old Calcutta poles, and we out, went out there. And sure enough, with you know, we hit a, you know, hit a few spots. It was looking pretty dead, and then we just, I don't know, pulled that one out of the hat somehow. <laughs> it was yeah. pretty dang cool. He, catching him on the, on the cane pole, though, I mean, he didn't pull. You know, he, it was only like a two-minute fight and swung him over put him in the net put him in the boat and we went about our way but it was it was pretty epic man yeah. it was three fish That's that awesome. was number four five and number eight in uh two days and 
I don't know. It was epic. You know, that's all. Awesome. Glad I could share it with you. But cons- sure. conservation <laughs> plays a big part in that. You know, if if everybody went out there and killed everything they could, you wouldn't yeah. see these fish that we're catching. You know, you wouldn't see those big triple tails or these big yellow fins. So, yeah, conservation. No, yeah, there is conservation is like a big thing, and I, you know, I guess we'll go ahead and uh, lead on into that. We we got to go meet up with some customers uh, this afternoon, but um. Yeah, so, you know, the last topic I I usually like to end on is uh, conservation for sure. And, uh, you know, what what do you think uh, in terms of conservation? And, you know, I guess we already talked about a little bit, but, you know, in terms of conservation, how big of a factor do you feel like our ego plays into, um, you know, fishing in general for everybody, not just, you know, tournament fishermen or charter fishermen or, you know, commercial right. fishermen. It's, it's definitely what, you know, conservation is what will save our business. You know, if if everybody went out there every day and killed the limit or, you know, it killed as many as they could, we wouldn't have the fishery we have today, you know. And it, it I feel like it does take a toll over time for sure. Um, over the past couple of years, I know about two years ago, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the offshore guys down here did actually have a meeting, you know, within themselves, you know, to decide that we weren't going to, you know, I, I honestly feel like the yellowfin limit is too high, but it's also a tricky thing to manage because. Talk about that. How much, how much is the. So the yellowfin is, is tricky because when you catch the smaller ones, those are the ones that you want to release, obviously. But, you know, if that's all you're catching that day, sometimes we have certain times of year where that's all you catch, you know, so those are the ones that don't you don't fight them for an hour they don't tire you out so it's kind of hard to stop fishing. stop a customer yeah. they're not tired they're, they're not ready tired to keep going, now man. it's a different story when you're catching big ones when you catch big ones as many people come down they say that they want all these giant fish they usually change their mind pretty quick you know one person mm. fights a bigger fish and they don't want anything to do with them anymore they might get on a boat and say hey i want three a person of these 150 you know 160 pound class yeah, but fish. they're gonna bring all their friends <laughs> yeah they catch they catch one and they they're ready to tap out then they start asking where the smaller ones are yeah but you know it's kind of trickier with the smaller ones because they don't fight as hard so you're not fighting them as long you're not tiring people out and you know but i i feel like three per person is a uh a very large bag limit for for tunas i feel like now, it's, like I said, it's tricky to manage. I, I, the way I look at it, I feel like if it's smaller fish, you know, obviously, you know, probably two per person or ten per boat would be a good yeah. a good stopping point for for me. But to me, you just got to make a stopping point. That's, I mean, come on, man. Like if you have eight people at three tunas per person, and then all those fish are over fifty pounds, I don't, I don't even know if you'd have enough room on your boat. So. Yeah, that for one, you don't have enough room. For two, I mean, they, so legally, you can keep the captain and mate's limit with, with yellowfin. Right, exactly. Um, so that's, that's I've never, I don't do that. I mean, right. that's 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 ridiculous. Um, now, I'm not going to say that it hasn't happened a long time ago, but, you know, once you've done it for a few years, you know, you start to realize that that's, that's more of your ego getting involved, you know, yeah. when you want to bring back, you know, all these fish just to hang them on the board. That's, right. it's really ridiculous. I mean, when you... When I go on a fun trip with me and my buddies and we, you know, we go catch tunas, I want one for myself, maybe two if they're smaller fish. That's all I need. You don't, right. if you start catching, you know, you catch three per person and you got a six or eight group per, you know, you got eight people on the boat and you catch three per person, that is a ridiculous amount of meat. Yeah. I don't care who you are. When you get back in and you, you know, you go to keep the stuff for yourself, and then you try That's and get some. That's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work, too. Yeah, just but, handling all the stuff, I mean, even you know? trying to give it away to people. I mean, by the time you take care of the fish, I feel like if you keep less fish, 
you can take care of it like it needs to be taken care of. Exactly. When you get in, you can get it clean fast enough to where you can take the bloodline out, you can take it off the skin, you can vacuum seal it, you can get it all packaged how right it needs way. to be. Yeah. But if you catch a bunch of fish, you don't have enough time to do that. By the time you did all that with all that meat, the second half of it would be spoiled sitting out on the cleaning table. That I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. <laughs> it takes a lot of time, and that that you know that's one of the things I wanted to talk about on the podcast as well is like you know customers really need to uh, be prepared when you come down here to take care of your fish. And I'm saying I'm not saying be overly confident. I mean, actually, I am. Be overly confident. Bring enough coolers because you want to keep your fish cold. But you know, two. Um, you know, I've been you know looking into a lot about taking care of fish i always have my whole life but i I bleed all my fish um i just started doing that about a month ago and i've seen a big difference but also whenever you guys come down here you know uh what i do is i clean my fish and i tell the 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 venice mariner will vacuum seal your fish for you um 75 cents a pound or you should take it and vacuum seal it yourself if you're you know never get the tuna wet you never want to get the tuna wet at all and and for for that matter i really don't put water on much of my other fish but you what you really want to do is vacuum uh you know either leave it on the skin or off the skin however you want to do it and then vacuum seal it put it right in the freezer and don't let it unfreeze until you're ready to eat it once it's unfrozen it's not going to be as good just the way it is and i just feel like that's you know something that people really need to know and be prepared for when you come down here is that it's a little bit of work whenever it comes down to taking care of these fish especially the right way and if you want to know the right way find me at venice marina and i will tell you everything that you need yeah, to know we, we i'll try, try to walk edu- you through yeah, it we try and educate all of our all of our customers on how to take care of it but you know let's let's be honest when you when you go out there and have one of those days where you crush them Everybody says they're going to go home and vacuum seal it and this and that. By the time you get home and you have and a you've few already drinks drinks, in the marina, yeah, you you're know, not you're not going to vacuum. Celebrating that's a, your that's, big day. That's yeah. a whole other job at the end of the day. You yeah. know, that's that's it doesn't happen. I mean, it, <laughs> if, if not if you have one of those days where you just crush the fish. I mean, right, let's right. be honest. Everybody <laughs> celebrates, they drink, and then they put it off. And then, yeah, you're, I mean, you're not, I'm not going to say you're wasting the fish, but you're definitely lowering the quality of, right, of the right. meat for sure definitely and And you always got it's just like fishing you know with fishing i feel like we try to give ourselves like man can you can you catch fish on you know cheaper tackle cheaper rods cheaper reels hell yeah you can can you like you know not have as you know i don't know not have as much knowledge yeah you can you can have all that stuff but you want to give yourself every edge possible i feel like you know taking care of fish is the same way you want to give yourself every up that you can you know what i mean anything that's going to make that fish taste a little bit better you'll be thankful that you did you know whenever you're not throwing a bunch of it away because you think it's all has a fishy taste you know what i mean like that's not that's not what you want to do that's not taking care of the fish so yep as much as we want you to uh, go through your fish and come back more often come back two three times a year i'd, I'd rather the fish go to use you right know? no that and that's what i tell people too is, is the way to keep fish out of your freezer is to you know don't don't take as much home keep less but take care of it better that's yeah. that's what i that i think jimmy gringo told me that one day and it really resonated with me he said keep less take care of it better and that's and i mean to me that makes the most sense to me because like honestly i mean i eat freezer i, I fish i fish enough to where i don't really eat fish that comes out of the freezer and i get it if you're only fishing say say if you're a fisherman and you're fishing six times a year you can catch 
enough fish to where every time you go you're getting fresh fish and you don't have after that sixth time you went that year you still got fish in your freezer from the first time you went that year absolutely you know what i'm saying you can just not take as much or you know figure it out but i don't know I, i think that 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 can go a long way you know for people just having a conversation like this for sure absolutely um but um i guess you know we talked to you know conservation we kind of got tangled tangent off onto the taking care of the fish but you know real quick we were talking about a little bit earlier the ego that plays into you know a charter fisherman for me was a big deal in the beginning i don't know i kind of saw the way that ego played into a lot of captains as a deckhand but you know that that feeling that you get whenever you know you know you're you, you gotta you know catch more fish than the next captain or whatever like to me that's a big deal like i i want to be known as a great fisherman you know what i mean i yeah. think all of us do yeah i mean especially like in my situation being a younger guy not doing it as long that's as, another as thing a yeah. lot of people you know you got big shoes to fill you want to it's a proven ground it's proven grounds every day when you step off the dock you know you want to come back and show people like hey i can hang with the best of them right you know that's just and then you know, when you come back in and you have one of those days, it's there's no comparison to that feeling. When you know you're pulling up to the dock and you just you done the best you could do that day, it's I mean, it's it's a good feeling for sure. But yeah, ego, it's a double edged sword. I mean, that whole competition thing. I mean, yeah. I I like to be competitive to keep it interesting for me. I don't want this to get tiring like right. as a job. So that's yeah. one of the ways I keep it interesting for myself. But yeah. I don't take it. I try not to take it to the to, next level. Yeah, to the <laughs> next level. You know, I, at the end of the day, it's about memories that you're making for these people. You know, yeah. you're, you know, it's all customer service. You know, what they want to do is more important than what you want to do. Right. They're paying the money. It's their trip. It's their experience. It's their family they're taking. It's their buddies from work. Right. It's, hey, you told me the other day them. that we were talking about it before this podcast, and we were fishing yesterday, and uh, you're telling me like, yeah, you, you know, customers want to catch sharks, so yeah, we caught sharks all day. That's what yeah. we did. You know, I, I literally had a trip where. You know, the tunas were eating the props off the back of the boat. You know, it was insane fishing all that week prior. And uh, when they get on the boat, they wanted to catch sharks. Right, yeah. You know, what we did, we went and caught sharks. It's not about me. You know, right, as much right. as I love to go catch tunas, it's about them. Yeah, so, yeah. And they had a blast doing it. When people are having fun on my boat, I feed off of their energy. If right, they're having yeah. fun, I'm having fun. So yeah. that's, that's really what it's about. A hundred percent. Like, I, I definitely, and that that's what I kind of started realizing. You know, I, I guess I realized it a lot more once I became a captain and I started running my own inshore boat. And I think inshore fishing is a little bit different. It's a little bit more, uh, I don't know if intimate's the right word, but uh, you get to know the customers a little bit better. Oh, it's closer quarters you're in a smaller talking. environment you know right you're not running you don't have you're a not, yeah you're not you know, having it's just you and customers right so it's, i started to realize that you know what these customers are out here you know doing and then and two you know i you know i've done a lot of traveling um in my in my off season a good bit of traveling and i started to realize you know like whenever you're not from somewhere you think a lot of different things are cool it's not necessarily you know what we think is cool running out of venice is a lot different than what a customer that's never been down here is going to, you know, think that's cool. Because people are coming down here for every step of the way. They're coming down here just to see the end of the river. 
They're coming down here to it, see the it, oil rigs. It could be anything. Here. Yeah, well, I've stopped in the middle of the past. You know, you're in a boat race. They got a hundred boats fishing that day, and a customer sees an alligator, think it's the coolest thing in the world. They've never, never seen, seen one before. Never seen one before. Right. You know, you stop. I've seen people amazed at the pelicans. Yeah, I mean, it could. Yeah. It's a lot of stuff. You know, it's, <laughs> it, this is a whole different world down here from other places. You know. Yeah. People come down to, to get the whole experience. Yeah. Touch on that a little bit. You were telling me about uh, yesterday about how like you know there's people in New Orleans that have no idea this place even yeah it, it just blows my mind i'm from metairie which is right outside new orleans but i i could go to metairie or new orleans area and wear my company shirt i could wear a mexican golf shirt and walk around on bourbon street you know whatever most popular place french quarter and i will never get stopped by a, per- a person will never stop me and be like hey i know that company i follow y'all whatever they just they don't have a clue but you go to you know Gulf Coast, you know, Mississippi, uh, Florida, something like that, and you'll get stopped left and right. I mean, yeah, they, they, the they, culture. They, that's, <laughs> it's, just, it's crazy to me. It blows my mind, you know. Yeah. New Orleans is literally an hour, an hour and a half from Venice. It's the closest thing to Venice, and they don't have a clue what's in their backyard. And, I'm, you know, I'll be honest, I grew up fishing down this way, inshore fishing, mm-hmm. and didn't have a clue about the offshore stuff. You know, we, we fished our Stricker Buras area. Never made it past there to Venice when I was inshore fishing. And once I started doing this, it was like, hello, you know, where where has this been? <laughs> I, I would have been doing this a long time ago. You know, this is – Right. I mean, it's 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 something that everybody should experience, and it just blows my mind that nobody knows about it. Yeah. Just an hour, an hour out, you know, hour and a half out. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, social media has kind of blown this place out. But I, I think most people – kind of learn this place through word of mouth you know they yeah they know somebody I, I don't know i get so many customers down here and they say you know like oh man we came down here years ago you know they say you know you know we came down here 10 15 years ago ain't been back since you know like that like that's a word of mouth you know thing they've been you know they're, they're here for yeah. a long time you know it's, absolutely it's kind of crazy yeah it's crazy to me you know fishing with maxine golf and fishing with billy i fish with billy a good bit uh Billy Wells, it's crazy to see, you know, his clientele. He's got customers that have been fishing with him for 20 years. Yeah. You know, they come down numerous times. 20 years is – that's a long time. And they, that is you know, a and, long and time. And he has a big clientele of that. That's, it's, it's, that's an awesome thing to be able to say that you have, you know, that many people that have been fishing with you for that long. And these people fish, you know, multiple times a year. Yeah. You know, he, he knows their kids, watch their kids grow – through the industry you know that's something that i want i want to be yeah, able to be dude, here that's a hundred percent what you know. i want i want people to come back to me and and honestly like with a specific goal in mind like i want you to want a you know 200 for me you know i want you to want a 30 pound triple tail right you know that's what i was fishing for set, those days yeah. i caught those three i want you know say yeah, it set say what goal. you want set your goals high but yeah. come expecting to have a good you know a good time and it might take us 10 trips. It might, you know, it might take us, you know, 10 years to find what you're looking right, for. Right, you put your but time in, this once is a place where it's going to happen. Right, once you build that relationship with your captain and everything, it makes that moment so much more special when it actually comes, you know, f- full circle. So, yeah, that's that's definitely something I encourage everybody to do is, you know, find the people you like to fish with and keep fishing with them, man. Don't, yep. I think it's I think it's better for everybody involved. Yeah, <laughs> personally. Definitely definitely can't judge one bad trip with somebody. If you get along with that person, you know, you, you yeah. click with your captain. That's, don't judge one tough fishing day on 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 you know, don't don't right. and don't find a that. captain that likes to do the same thing that you like to do. You know what I mean? Like for me as a captain, like I you know, I I love tearing up the reds, bull bull red fishing. I I get off to that. Like I really, really, really like that stuff. Um 
you know, but like at the same time, if it's calm, you know, I'm bumping offshore a little bit, you know, I'm looking for the Kobe, I'm looking for the triple toe, I'm looking for the mangroves. That's the type of guy that I am. Whereas at the same time as you got those other inshore guides, they're getting shallower. They're looking to sight cast these things. You know what I mean? Right. They're, they're, they're trying to get further in. So, and then if two, you know, you got like, you know, Kevin, he's, you know, he, he likes to catch blue Marlin, you know what I mean? Tuna's, right. you know, tuna's his thing. We're going to go catch tunas, but we want to catch a blue Marlin too, you know? Right. Everybody's kind of got you know, their I like, thing. You know, I like to be well-rounded, you know, I like to do everything, you know, Yeah. as far as, you know, grouper fishing, mangrove fishing, like a lot of people don't like doing the mangrove and stuff like that. I think it's freaking a oh, blast. I think, awesome, I think that's man. some of the funnest <laughs> fishing we have, to be honest, you know. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, very interactive yeah, it's, for it's, the customer. It sounds, it sounds like a small thing compared to catching 200-pound yellowfin, but it, it it's a blast. I mean, yeah. it's nonstop action. It's I just fun. think it's great. You yeah. know, you'll get, you'll, <laughs> I've had people come from different parts of the world they catch mangrove snappers well have you ever mangrove fish here before no okay well let's go do this and they you know they don't want to do it at first and you bring them to go do it and they're, they're coming they're back hooked. to do it they're coming back <laughs> just for that the next yeah. time you know it's different everywhere you go but it, mm. i like you know i like taking advantage of our fishery we have here we we have a wide variety of fish you know yeah. from mangrove and cobias triple tail tuna mahi mahi marlin i mean pretty much anything Anything you can think of, we can we can produce here, minus a small small group of fish. You know, it's yeah. we're we're lucky to have what we have here no for doubt, sure, no doubt. Man, well, look, I'm gonna go ahead and wrap it up with that. We're right at uh, 40 minutes, and uh, man, it was a pleasure having you on. We're gonna have to do it again sometime. Oh, I appreciate you anytime. <laughs> All right, man. Well, have a good one. All right, y'all take care. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please give us a follow on Facebook or Instagram at Tunatown Talks. Also, if you'd like to book a charter with me, you can do so by visiting our website at mgfishing.com. That's Mexican Gulf website, where you'll find my online booking calendar with all my open dates. And remember, guys, always be safe while out on the water. <laughs>